I'm Tim Roy on Warriors.com as we continue with our coverage of the 2012 NBA Draft. Always a pleasure uh, to welcome back Ryan Blake to talk a little bit about uh, the NBA Draft. And, and Ryan, this time of year is a great time for NBA fans, and I think it's 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 changed a little bit for me in the last couple of years. I'm going to start by asking you a question not about the players in the draft, but how the fans look at the draft. Has, has social media, you know, Twitter and Facebook and, and all the draft sites now that, that, that fans can go to, has that changed the way you think we all look at the draft? I think it gives out a lot of information. I don't know if it's legit uh, information about maybe what the teams are thinking, but I think there's a lot of legitimate websites out there that, that do their own scouting. Um, you got a lot of people... Uh, Twittering, a lot of information out there. Uh, things are more accessible. The information's getting out there. Uh, technology is bringing you stats uh, a lot quicker from all over the world. Uh, there's a lot of information to sort of gather uh, just as a scout, but uh, it makes it fun for even, you know, just the, the regular fans out there. You know, the guys in my office, we always put out a couple of drafts and stuff, but they're all into that, you know. I mean, I'm not as much on the Twittering side and getting all that information and reading all the blogs and stuff, but they are because they are fans. Ryan, how would you uh, categorize the uh, 2012 NBA draft? I tell you, it's a deep draft, and if you've got a number of picks, uh, just like Golden State does, uh, they uh, you're in a very good position, not only in a position to uh, a, a pick or at least find maybe something that you want, but uh, you're going to get some good players deep into the second round, you're going to have guys that when that 60th pick is, is done, uh, you're going to have players that, are, that have not been picked and their phones are, the GMs are going to call those players immediately. You know, we've got a strong power forward class. Our, our point guard is not deep, but we have some good players. But it is the deepest draft we've had in quite some time. Ryan, is Anthony Davis the one player in this draft that can be a franchise changer? I absolutely think so. I think when we look at players, we don't expect them to come in and have an impact immediately. We don't. We wish that a player in a lottery or in the first round would make an impact by the end of that season. However, we think, and I think a lot of people feel the same way that I do, that that he's going to come in and make an immediate impact, especially on the defensive end. You know, to have someone do what or has done what he has done. Uh, it hadn't come around in a long time. My father used to say, you know, centers don't come around but every 25 years. And although Davis is not a center, he is going to be one of those guys that are going to, is going to make that, deep, that difference uh, really by clearing up a lot of the errors from his teammates. You know, the way that he dunks, the way that he blocks, the way that he just changes that game on the defensive end. But he has that ability and that developing ability on the offensive end as well. And I think you're going to see that through the summer league uh, and, uh, and early on in the season, uh, how well he's going to adapt to the game. Michael Kidd Gilchrist is another player who I think, when I watch college basketball, and I don't get a chance to watch a lot of it, obviously, because during the NBA season, if I'm not uh, broadcasting a Warriors game, I'm looking at a game to get me ready for the next game. So, but when I do watch, uh, you know, certain guys stick out. Uh, and, and like last year, uh, a year ago, uh, the kid from Arizona, Derek Williams, I thought when I watched him play in college, I thought, okay, he is a guy that I could see playing in the NBA. And when I watch Kid Gilchrist play, 
You know, he looks like a, a great rebounder, and he gives a great effort on the defensive side. And I, I think he's a kid that could step in right away. What do you think? Yeah, well, again, any of these guys in the first round that come in, they're not going to be the first, second, third, or fourth option. They're going to have to earn their minutes on the defensive end. And this kid, Kid Gilgrist, is an amazing athlete. He's the youngest player in the draft. I mean, he had to play a lot of four, but he, you know, he's a small four with a great motor, physical, tough defender, excellent rebounder on a team that had other great board men like Davis and, and Jones and and uh, I mean, they, they just they were loaded, and he still was able to do that. Now he's gonna, you know, he doesn't have that perimeter game yet, but when you have that uh, that athleticism and that maturity at such a young age, uh, it's hard to bypass someone like that. Would you say that Bradley Beal of Florida is the best shooting guard in this draft? I think that's a tough call. I mean, he is uh, as labeled as a shooting guard that he is. Uh, you know, he's sort of undersized. I mean, he's he's listed at six four. He's probably six two or six three. But because of his length, uh, his strength, and his athleticism, he plays above his size, and I think that's important. But he is not the, he's not the great shooter that we'd want from someone. He's not that sniper from outside, but he's got. Uh, he's such a clutch player, and he lets the game come to him as well as stepping up to take over a game. He's got that, you know, sort of that no fear. You know, he does have range, but he, more importantly, he's got that mid-range. He's a sharpshooter from mid-range, and he's a rebounder on both ends of the floor, high IQ guy, and he could probably play uh, a little point as well, and he handles the ball great. One of the games I saw in the NCAA tournament was Ohio State. And when Jared Sullinger was mentioned, uh, the first thing out of Clark Kellogg's mouth was he has trouble scoring against bigger people. Uh, that's not a good sign, I don't think. Uh, yeah, and and the thing that I like about Sullinger is that he is going to be uh, he's such a, a cerebral player. Uh, he's a guy that knows how to play the angles. He knows how to you know he knows how to seal. He can rebound. He's a high IQ big man, and he's you know he's got a huge wingspan as well, and he's a dominant. Rebounder. Now, he's a guy that can face the basket to score to the college three. He's nimble enough underneath to get by other bigs. He's strong. He's physical. I mean, he's a load in the paint. You know, his concern is, you know, he needs to maintain lower weight while keeping that mass, you know, to improve that sort of that Olympic condition. He's not explosive, but I think enough to maintain ability at both ends. You know, he, if you get him in the lottery – that's a safe bet that at least you're going to get a big baby Glenn Davis or, at the very best, you can, he can be a Zach Randolph. We're talking with the NBA's director of scouting. That is Ryan Blake. I'm Tim Roy for Warriors.com. I'm sure fans who are listening to this, Ryan, want to know who do you think is going to be on the board and available for the Warriors when they pick at number seven? Uh, you know, that's you know, number seven. Well, you know, in my mind, I think they need, you know, they need backups at point guard and center. Um, listen, Stephen Curry, Thompson, Rush, Wright, Lee, uh, Andrew, Bogut, you know, those are guys that, that uh, that's a pretty good foundation. And, uh, but, you know, Curry and Bogut have, you know, injury concerns. So you look down the list and you've got, you know, Harrison Barnes could be there. Um, you don't know if Harrison Barnes, of course, the 6'8", small four from North Carolina, um, you know, if they're willing to to take Kendall Marshall up that high, I don't know. I would look for a, a, a big. You know, we don't know that if Andre Drummond from UConn could slip down to seven. 
because you know you, we're going to. I think we're going to find Thomas Robinson. That's going to be picked high. You're going to have Gilchrist, Beal. Um, you know, do you have a you know the guard position. You well, you've got John Henson, who's a six eleven power four, although slight. He's also a shot blocker and a good athlete, and he's got a great motor. Uh, Perry Jones could be there, a six eleven swing from Baylor, who didn't really show us everything that he had, but an amazing athlete and a guy that has got great skills. Um, and then when we look down the line at the, you know, I guess the last pick, this is where, you know, you got the 30th pick and, and you're looking down there and you don't know if some people made mistakes or if people are going to be uh, trying to get up the ladder with some trades. And, you know, you're always going to find some surprises in the draft. And when you've got multiple picks, you sometimes happen, happen to fall into uh, some, some really good picks down the line. Right, let's talk a little bit about a couple of point guards. Uh, one is, is Kendall Marshall from uh, North Carolina. But tell me a little bit about Damian Lillard from uh, Weber State. Uh, it, you know, he's a name that when I, when I look at down the list, it, it jumps off the page just simply because of where he played. Yeah, and, and we do have those. I mean, we found Devin George, you know, Dennis Rodman, uh, Scottie Pippen, some of those guys. You know, in Weber State, we scour the nation, so do the teams. You know, he was second in the nation in scoring. He's a third-team All-American. He shot 41% from behind the arc. That's pretty good. Uh, he's a scoring point guard who can get inside and has improved on his outside shooting. He's got great free-throw percentage, two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio, strong physical hard walk worker, very efficient player. And he does have that versatility to score. Well, what's really important, he uses the pick-and-roll well. And although he can finish in traffic, he has that court vision. You know, our concerns are, you know, his consistency against higher level. And we really wanted to see him in a five-on-five situation. You know, and now that we only have the combine coming up on June 7th and 8th, uh, you know, our, we'd love to see him in a half-court offense. But I think the combine and some of the testing up there uh, are going to improve his status. As you, as you go through this uh preparing for this draft and you mentioned that there's always guys that are going to be available and I'm, I I kind of every now and then I go back and look at, at guys in the second round and to see wow wow that guy was picked at you know 45 or that guy was picked at, at 38 uh, do you have a couple of uh, sleepers since the Warriors do have uh, second round picks and a late first round pick do you have some guys that that you like at, at those numbers well, yeah, I think one to start off with, I mean, uh, Scott Machado from Iona, who I think will go first round, but you, you just, this is such a deep draft, you don't know where. I mean, there's there's only 30 picks, and he could be a guy that could go low. Uh, you just don't know. I, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to, you know, bypass him. But there's a guy like, for, let's take point guard, two Holloway from Xavier, although it's six foot, I, I, lo- I really like this kid. Uh, you also have Deion Waiters from Syracuse, uh, a six-four point guard with a, a lot of athleticism, sort of a poor man's Dwayne Wade. A Darius Miller from Kentucky, who is a six-six, six-seven guard. That was really a uh, that was really the gel on that team. He's played unselfishly for four years. Kim English, another small guard at six-six from Missouri, played great at our Portsmouth Invitational tournament. And we're still you got to mention William. Buford, Ohio State, Orlando Johnson at Santa Barbara, and those are the small guards. But going down to the small forwards, we got Kevin Murphy from Tennessee Tech, Tennessee Tech, who also played well at our Portsmouth tournament. Rakeem Sanders, a Fairfield kid 
that at 6'5", plays all over the place, Def- defensive stopper, and he's got versatility to his game. But then we start looking at our power forwards and some of those guys that we can get in the second round, I think, are like Jamichael Green from Alabama, 6'8", 230 pounds. Terrence Henry, who's a 6'10 swing, uh, he's about 215 pounds, but he's long. Miles Plumley, who's got a reported 41-inch vertical, uh, who played at Duke, would be another great pick to get in the second round. And we got Mitchell Watt, Xavier Gibson. There's a lot of bigs in there that can come in there. And, and, and when we're talking backup centers, we have Festus is easily from Vanderbilt, you know, basically a seven foot, two hundred and sixty pound center. Uh, although raw offensively is big enough and has improved and made great strides in uh, in his ability to come up as a backup center. Ryan, do do you like uh, Austin Rivers and, and obviously well publicized because he's a son of Doc? I do. You know, he caught a lot of flack this year. I think, you know, not coming in and dominating the way that, you know, supposedly that uh, a lot of freshmen should. But, uh, you know, he's an ACC first-teamer and rookie of the year. He averaged almost 16 points and 2.1 assists. I mean, here's a guy that is incredibly shifty off the ball screens and good shooter score. He's confident and wants the ball in his hands in clutch situations. So the one thing is when, when scouts look at players, you know, uh, there's a, a difference between someone being selfish and wanting the balls, wanting the ball in his hands at the at the end of the shot clock or at the end of the game, and that was him. And he's versatile enough; he's got that ball, that that good handle to create for himself and others. So he knows the game, he knows the ball screens, he knows the angles, and he's he's crafty and can finish at the rim with floaters and and with a good IQ. However, you know he's still there's still questions. You know, there's still concerns about a shot selection, position at the points, not secured, and, and you know, he'll just need some polishing. We're talking with Ryan Blake. He is the director of scouting for the NBA. A couple more questions. Uh, are, there, are there a couple of names that we haven't talked about that you think will be, you know, lottery picks at this point? Yeah, I mean, I like Thomas Robinson. Uh, I think Charlotte would cover him. They need, they need power fours. They need centers. Uh, he was a runner-up for a player of the year behind Anthony Davis. You know, he's second in the nation in reboundings at about 12 rebounds per game. He's improved his, his offensive game so much. And, you know, he's just NBA strong. He's built like a brick house. And he's a physical, tough defender. And what I like is he was constantly double-teamed the whole year. And he protected the ball well. Didn't pass the ball well. I mean, you look at his assist numbers, and, you know, you know they're not up there. You know, it was close to two, but he protected the ball well, and that was important. And we think that he's going to become a better shot blocker, and he's going to, you know, he had to stay out of trouble, uh, foul trouble at uh, Kansas. And I think he only fouled out twice all season. Now, his concerns are his perimeter game because he's relying on that, which hadn't been that productive. And I, I guess that there's a, uh, obviously not a great year, for Pac-10 or Pac-10, Pac I'm dating myself, uh, Pac-12 uh, prospects here. But uh, Terrence Ross is one player, and we had a chance to chat with Lorenzo Romar about Tony Roten Jr., both guys coming out of Washington. Uh, are they both first-round picks in your opinion? I Yeah, I do. I, I think they're really under consideration. And, we, and, again, this is one of those drafts of beauty in the eye of the beholder. And that's why it's going to be so interesting. And when I'm sitting behind, when I'm sitting behind the, the the stage, you know, and and hearing those names come in, you know, we're going to be going, oh, he went here. Oh, what's going to happen with the next pick? But Ross, you know, he's a, here's a guy, six six guard. He's a first team, uh, Pac twelve, 
big guard, average 16 and 6. Um, great athlete with hops, explosive step. He's adding range. You know, he improved his outside shooting. I think workouts will really help him. You know, I think he's going to wow a lot of people with those workouts. Uh, but he's going to need some uh, more experience and to gather more confidence. You know, he finished the season strong. He had like four straight 20-point games in the NIT, like a 30-plus point win over Northwestern. But, you know, I think they lost in the semi. Uh, he just needs to improve on his fundamentals and, and, you know, some of his versatility. Right. I appreciate your time today, and, and uh, thank you for uh, your, your answers, and the best of luck getting ready for the 2012 NBA draft. Thanks, Tim. I appreciate it. All the best. That's Ryan Blake, the Director of Scouting for the NBA. Hi, Tim Roy. We continue to get you ready for the 2012 NBA Draft. Keep it right here at Warriors.com for all your draft information, including upcoming our 2012 NBA Mock Draft. That's right. We're mocking the draft yet again. I'm Tim Roy for Warriors.com.